Welcome to another episode of the Better Than I Found It podcast. I'm Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor University. Today's guest is Brent Kieschnick, the men's golf coach at Sam Houston State University in Huntsville, Texas. Today, Brent describes his time as a student athlete at Sam Houston and the pride that he has in leading the program at his alma mater. We also discuss his team's storybook year this past season, truly one of the best stories in all of college golf. Brant shows us that there's a way to use a positive chip on the shoulder, which is precisely what his boys had this year. To me, Brant is a wonderful example of what a great coach does to get players to believe in a dream. His vision for their program is truly inspirational. Let's get right to the interview. I'd like to welcome my guest today on Better Than I Found It, Brant Kieschnick, the golf coach at Sam Houston State University. Uh, Brant, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy summer schedule to, to spend some time talking today. Well, thank you. Honored to be uh, with you, Mike and Mikel, and uh, just just very humbled that uh, you guys would allow me on your podcast. It's an honor for me, one of the great honors. Thank you. Well, you know, I never did think I'd be doing a podcast, <laughs> and uh <laughs> What I've tried to do with this podcast is to get coaches, players, current players, former players, just different people in in golf, certainly relating more to college golf, and, and just see what how they do things, see what kind of value they can provide, see what they can bring to the table, and see why they're successful. And you are a very successful coach, and I have watched um, – I didn't know you when I was at Oklahoma State. I, I knew you of you, but I didn't really know you. Got to Baylor, and I, we've developed a really good relationship, and um, it's been it's been fun to watch that develop. But thanks for taking time because I know you and I are both in a whirlwind of summer recruiting. I mean, it's uh, yes, crazy. Aren't you thankful to be back out on the road? Without a doubt, yeah. Actually, this is my first week this week because we had camp after the national championship, and then. Uh, it's my first time, time to get out and, and saw you guys, and, and uh, I just I missed it so much. It's really been about a year and a half, so it's been more than a year, almost two years. So it's been great. Yeah, I, I was. Um, I think that's the rough thing. And I'm in my podcast uh, with Lee Jansen. We talked about uh, how recruiting has really been messed up for a couple of classes. A couple of classes of kids have really not benefited from COVID at all, and. I think that uh, it's great that they now have coaches actually watching and evaluating in person. Uh, did you sign anybody up this week? Well, I, I didn't sign anybody up. We, we, uh, we, uh, the, the, on your point there though, it's neat. I, I, I love how many parents came up to us uh, and just in passing said, it's so good to see you out here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So that I, I love that. Uh, not, not only seeing the kids play, uh, you know, we have to see our kids play that we want to sign. If you can't, it's just hard to, you know, we can go by scores, but you got to see how they react and all that. But just seeing that again, seeing the kids' faces that were there and just having parents just go by and say, hey, thank you for being here. That that was that was awesome. So that's what I really loved about this, getting back this summer. Yeah, and, and you and I both know evaluating a kid is way more than a score on a resume. And, and sometimes those are misleading anyway. And sure. uh like you, I kind of like to see a guy play bad sometimes. I want to see what that looks like. We know he's going to play bad when he gets on campus one day, right? That's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think, you know, I think we'll probably get in this a little bit later, but I think you and I both agree how their mental toughness is, you know, what they have on the inside, I think is what we look for. 
and uh, I, uh, I, uh, I just I love to see how they react to a bad shot. I love to see if they make a couple bogeys where they do, you know, how they finish the round. So it's good to see that again. That's great. Well, I'm excited as well to be back out. So before we get to the main reason of why I wanted to talk to you to begin with, which is the big elephant in the room, like this great season you guys had, and certainly the postseason, which was uh, got a lot of national press and a lot of coverage, which was great for you and your for you university. But before I get to that, I thought it would I'd set the stage by kind of letting people know how you arrived at Greyhawk. Greyhawk. That didn't happen just in the last couple of months. Uh, you, you've been building a program for a long, long time. So unlike a lot of coaches, and very few, very few coaches get the opportunity to do this, you are coaching at your alma mater. That's, that's like an amazing, amazing honor. Can you speak to that? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I don't know how many coaches get to coach at the alma mater, but um, there's just an extra fuel. There's an extra, you know, you just, you just I love going here so much. I played here. Uh, you know, my wife's from here. It's a great, you know, it's just a great university. There's a great humility about these people here. There's, it's just a great environment. And uh, to be able to coach and lead the program, you just have that extra, you know, I came in, I'll be honest with you, I came in to, as an alum, to try to, all right, let's make a stable program. Let's, let's, you know, let's, let's, I know we can be good here. And um, and I want to help do that. So I've just got that little extra fire because I know we can be good here and, and it just helps, you know, um, it just helps. Maybe you want to, it just helps us. Like I said, just, um, maybe work a little extra harder. I don't know, but it's just, there's an extra specialness to it. You know, when I played college, I played a, at a NAIA school, central Oklahoma. It's now a division two school, but the best NAIA team was Sam Houston state at the time. And, uh, Coach Choate was winning national championships, and I remember my junior year, we went to the national championship at Waterwood National, and uh, just crushes good. my heart every time I think about that golf course. Because good for you. That's that's good for you. If you played Waterwood in the eighties, you you were that's amazing because well, you I saw played it. Waterwood when you had to hit a three wood on the thirteenth hole just to get over yeah. that water. <laughs> well, your fans, I don't know if your fans or those listening will understand how hard that shot is or how that was the. That was the Karsten Creek before Karsten Creek. It was so hard. Good for yeah, you. and, and I, but anyway, Sam Houston was the team to beat, and they won the national championship that year as well. But they eventually became an emerging D1 school. And how, how long had they been a D1 school when you took over? Uh, they, I think they became D1 in around 86, 85, 86. Okay. All right, yeah. so it was well after I got through college, well before sure. you even played there. Um, right. But they weren't hugely successful at the division one level I never did go to the national championship. So, right. um, so you, you played there, you, I think you won five college tournaments. Interestingly enough, you won Baylor's invitational here. That's in Waco. My, my big win was, was, uh, you know, I won conference, but my biggest win was the Baylor days. The first one y'all had, you know, Tim hobby was the coach and, and, and Jimmy Walker was there and Hank Keeney. And I always tell my players that, you know, uh that's one of my most special wins so yeah no I, I was i was very fortunate to to win a few times and go to the regionals as an individual but yeah you're right we never made it as a team regionally that was one of my big things too is when i got your coach like we've gotta we've got to get to regionals i mean that was we did it our second year thankfully but it was you know i played as an individual i know how special that week is it's like second stage of q school it's the most important more important week of the year so uh anyway so yeah we uh uh, yeah, 
was able to win a few times. And then, like I said, that's helped me, you know, coach as well. Well, you know, I, uh, a, a player, a coach and a player that uh, I'm very close to Alan Bratton at Oklahoma state, he's getting to coach at his alma mater. And um, before I coached at Oklahoma state, Mike Holder was the golf coach and that was, he was coaching at his alma mater. So I think it's special what you're doing. I think it's great to go back to a place that gave you so much and then you want to give back. And right. so you want to leave it, you know, the name of this podcast is better than I found it. That's right. And I just piggybacked off that book that I wrote, but the, the truth is, that's what you're doing at Sam Houston. You are leaving that place better. And gosh, you're such a young guy. You'd probably coach another 20 or 25 years. If you do it all at Sam Houston, I would be shocked if you didn't have a nationally competitive team every year. That's just me on the outside looking in, watching from afar. Um, there's so many things that make you a great coach. I hope some of those come out for our listeners today. But but uh, it's been fun for me to watch you build a program. Uh, you built it um, with faith. Uh, yeah. So I want I want to talk about that before we move into the, the meat and potatoes of what you've accomplished and what happened this spring. But how important is faith in your coaching journey? It's I mean, it's if you're you know, if, if you're men of faith, it's who you are. And and, you know, I'm thankful we have players that we have players from. And, and I know you're the same way, Mike. We have players from all walks of life. And but I think. And, and we'll get into this maybe a little bit later, but I learned a lot. I've learned a lot from you. I've learned a lot. I've watched other coaches who, who, who you know, who are of faith. And, and I'll tell you, a coach who really helped me and just just watching him. I actually got to email him at the National Championship, and I thanked him before we played. It was a guy named Tony Bennett from Virginia, the Virginia men's basketball. He does a fantastic job of intertwining his faith and just his principles and truths that help the game of basketball, help kids' lives, right? Uh, from every walk of life, like if we if we embrace humility, if we embrace th- his or th- humble, you know humility, thankfulness, unity, just great truths that are great for basketball. They're great for your life. So I think uh, that's where we is just say, listen, this is who I am. I think I think uh, you know I don't shove anything down anybody's throat, and I'm very very respectful. But uh, there's some great truths about humility and that working a team environment that work in learning how to play the game that work that work in learning uh you know we got to be humble if i'm going to come and tell you listen you gotta get better at this part of your game and you need you need to take that as me trying to get you better and you don't need to get upset about that you know it's going to take some humility to do that so anyway um i you know faith was huge in a, in a moment of crisis during during i'll, I'll end with this we maybe dovetail off this but I was literally quoting to the team at regionals, uh, you know, Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love God. I said, listen, guys, this is something really bad that has happened. You got to give these kids hope, though. Like, listen, I told Will, I don't know what's going to happen here. This is really bad. You can't play. But something good is going to come out of this. That's faith. That's that's. There's a great truth and promise that we can hang on. Like, I, I'm. this is awful for you. But somewhere down the road, something's going to happen that's good. I don't know if it's today, tomorrow a year from now. I've told the team the same thing, the same thing that, you know, when you're devastated, at least we're not just left there, right? There's some hope. So where that's where it was huge for us and kind of going back on our faith, giving them some hope. Say, listen, guys, I don't know what's going to happen today, but I think something good is going to come out of it, whether in your life someday or you're going to remember this. And and that's where it really helped, Mike, to be honest with you. Well, that's great. And, you know, I think that um, you were saying you don't force it on your players, your faith. And I try not to do the same, even here at Baylor, where I'm encouraged to 
uh, share my faith, but I would say this, uh, your faith is, is much more than your words. It's how you walk and how you, the things you do on a daily basis. So that's what, why I know you're, you're a man of faith is just the way you take care of your business. And I know your players benefit from that. Keep that up. Don't ever lose that. It's an amazing, amazing example. And for us coaches as well. So, um, you, you, so obviously you built the program for you on faith. That's just the way you are and who you are. But you've also done some things with facilities that you didn't have when you when you got there in 2012. So talk yeah. a little bit about that, because I want every coach, especially at the mid-major level, that take over a program like you did where you say, you know, I want to leave this better than I got yeah. it. Well, you've done that. So talk about facilities. Yeah. So we uh, when I got here and we've always had really good golf courses to play. So that was that was a given. Um but when we and we had a, we had a facility that was about eighteen hundred square feet. It was two bays. We were sharing it with 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 a golf course. And, you know, just typical deal that that we're very thankful to have. But we're kind of running into each other, and and thankfully early on in my coaching career, I, I met a name a guy named Robert Steele who had given to the university. And uh, my my ID Bobby Williams and I, I, I just said, listen, I just need to get to know him, and it was great. Uh, it was a great story, maybe, of how things come about. I just developed a relationship with Mr. Steele, kind of like what you do when you got to Baylor. You develop a relationship with your with your alum, and and um, and just would go play golf with them, invite them to some of our things, and and over a year developed a friendship. And then uh, we had a capital campaign, and Bobby Williams, our AD, was presented to our donors, and he just went up to us and said, "Hey, I want to do this. We had a, we had a vision for a new facility. It's about three thousand square feet. We designed it three hitting bays." And just presented it at a what we call a Bearcats in business in Houston. And Mr. Steele was there and he just came up and said, listen, I want to do this. I want to partner with you guys. And and it happened like that. That was January of 2016. And, and we opened, built it, um, finished it April 1, 2019. So just just a story, developed the relationships and say, hey, you know, uh, I never really asked for any money. It just, hey, I know, you know this guy might want to help us one day and kind of tell him what we're doing. And, and eventually he wanted to be a part of it. So. Well, I think when you have a program where you're turning out really good student athletes, good kids, great guys that go on and try to play pro golf and or become great businessmen, when, I mean, those things, donors start to notice that. They start to realize, right. well, you know, this program is more than just about the wins and losses on, on the field or on the golf course. They're producing champions. And I think it's really, really important for young coaches that get into it to realize you're not just have your hand out asking for money. Right. You've got to That's produce right. something first. That's right. So That's right. You've yeah, you're right. I, I, you're, I love uh, you're talking about the GPA. That that plays a lot into it. I said, those kids say, listen, and I've told this, I said, listen, guys, I, the win, you know, you need to be a competitive program, honestly, but when they hear that you have a team GPA of whatever is three O or a kid, they, that's when they really buy in. And say, listen, okay, there's a completeness to this, you know, program. It's a student athlete. It's it's, uh, and that's when we've seen they've really wanted to invest in our program. When they're seeing good students, and, and I'll, I'll never forget it, Mike. You said this. We were at I think it was like 2014 at the U.S. Junior. They're doing a coaches panel. I'll never forget you said this. It actually helped me. You said. Um, we're talking to parents at the Woodlands. I don't know if you remember this. I um, do. I do remember. But this. you said, you said, if, and I think you, you, you talked about this with your players at Oklahoma State. You're just at Baylor. If you don't think your GPA matters, it does because it talks about who you are off the course, right? And I've, I, if I've learned anything in coaching, I've learned this. The quicker 
these kids mature off the course, their golf scores go through the roof. Mm-hmm. And that helped me when you said that, I was like, you know what, there's a connection to your pride in your schoolwork, right? And your golf game. And, and I, I love when you said that, that was huge for me to just say, listen, it, it matters. It matters. You know, what you do in the class. I think I learned that from Mike Holder and he told me a story about how he didn't care when he got the job at Oklahoma state, he could care less how they did in school as long as they were eligible. Cause if they were eligible, they could travel. If they could travel, they could go win golf tournaments. And that's all he cared about. And yeah. in 1984, his best player, Scott Verplank, got a, a plaque in the mail from the Golf Coaches Association the first year they were having academic All-Americans. And Mike looked at this, and there was one for Scott, and there was one for the school. And Mike thought, oh, my gosh, I can. this is another way for our team to be recognized. It's another way for our team to be excellent. And literally, in one moment's time, Mike shifted his paradigm from golf only, golf only, it's the only important thing to realizing you, they're not mutually exclusive. The way you do it in the classroom is kind of the way you're going to do it in golf. And he told me that story, and I believe that since day one. And I preach that to young coaches that ask me, you know, how do I get my team to be the most competitive team in the country? Well, you make sure they're making good grades too. And you make sure they're going to class. If you're in town, they better be in class. That's and so, awesome. I learned that at Oklahoma State, so every time I have a chance to say something, look, I didn't even have any idea it had that impact on you. It did, yeah. I remember that because, again, I think golf is just more in a game. The golf ball is just more in a ball. I I saw this on the movie. It's it's how you go about it, right? It's how you go. It's how you go about it. It's the pride you have in your life to excel. Whatever you're, we talk about that a lot in our program. Whatever you're, and, and it talks about that in Ecclesiastes. Whatever your hands touch, just do it the best you can, right? I don't care if, and we and again, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just kind of give you behind our curtain. We study the mentally elite, like the seals. The seals are the best at charting beaches, at jumping out of planes, at swimming, at obstacle courses, at breathing techniques. They're the best at everything they touch. Are they? So school is a big part of that. If you, you know, I'm not saying you got to be a four zero, but there's some guys that work hard that are two five. I'm fine with that. Right. Mm-hmm. And then the same guy might make a three, another guy might make three, seven. It's the effort that you talk about that conviction, that, um, that standard, that accountability of, all right, if you're going to go do something, do the best you can. If that's two, five, great. But it's, it's what's behind it. And that's, like I said, I, I, you know, I believe we, I had a goal of three Oh, but you helped me see that connection of, Hey, it does matter what you do. It, it matters to your golf. Right. I'm glad that you saw the connection and I know your team's benefiting from it. So before we talk about this spring, and I want you to talk about this spring because I need every coach to hear what happened to you guys. I need to hear that. But um, years ago we were playing Baylor. We were down at the all American in Houston and you guys were in the field and uh, we had maybe a top 10 team in the country. And I think you guys were ranked 108. Sure. And, we uh, finished second to you guys that day. And I remember thinking to myself, this is an amazing opportunity because uh, I'm gonna make my guys go to this award ceremony. There's no question about that. And I'm gonna make them see the tournament director hand that trophy to you guys. But I wanted them to see the elation and I wanted them to see the, what it was on your kids' faces because I know that was a big moment and 
So I guess talk about that day, you know, the day I'm talking about, yep. and then uh, let's, let's let that lead into a discussion that I want to talk about a healthy chip on your shoulder, but go ahead. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, y'all were, I think y'all made match play that year. If I remember yes, that did. was that team with Perrine, y'all had Perrine and Cooper, yep. just an awesome team. Listen, I mean, yeah, it was a huge moment. That was a huge win for us. Um, you know, I just, I don't know what else to say. And I just, if, and I tell the guys, this, if I'm going to get out of bed that morning to come work with you guys, we're going to try to be, we're going to try to be a national championship team. There's no other, I mean, it's just no point in getting out of bed. So, you know, we, we try to do the things that win, uh, but it was huge for us to, to battle you guys to show, you know, how it is, you just got to see what you have on the inside. And, um, you know, that was just a, a good week where game plan came together. We were, we were, uh, you know, I felt like we were mentally in every shot and, you know, that's, you know, ball control is good golf and mental game, you know, good mental discipline routines, good golf. And I feel like we did that well this week and it showed the guys, Hey, we can, we can play with anybody that, um, that we compete against. Now, you know, that y'all's team would probably beat us nine times out of 10, which it probably did that year. But, you know, we were just, we were just very, I just remember that week we had, we had really just really honed in on, Everybody playing the same way, um, not just, you know, I mean, I know it's cliche, but one shot at a time, one target at a time, and just execute as well as you can. And just that was kind of the beginning of, you know, we had been winning. We went to conference championship. That was kind of the beginning of us saying, okay, you know, we can we can play with anybody when we need to. You know, when I was at Oklahoma State, we had the number one team in the country, and we were playing in the Fighting Illini, and Illinois hadn't had any great seasons yet. And Mike Small was a fairly young coach at the time. And I remember him telling me a year later, the day they came back and beat us that day at the Fighting Illini and they won, I remember him talking about how that was a turning point. Sure, and sure. Mike Small's team has been great for 13 straight years. They've been awesome. And so, and they were not a mid-major, they were a power five, but, but it had never had any true success. Sure. Yeah. And so anyway, I hope that was a turning point for you. It hurt us not winning that day, but I also could see in your face, how much that meant to your program. Really proud of you and was happy about that for you. But so I, I, I look at um, one, one of my main tenets, if you will, with, um, with uh, players is to respect all players, respect every opponent. I mean, sure. the moment you lose respect for your opponent, you lose respect for yourself and you're probably going to head to a crash. And That's right. would you agree with that? I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to ask this question bluntly, straightforward. Do you ever feel a lack of respect from other Division One teams about Sam Houston? I mean, does it come across that way at all? No, I'll be honest with you. I don't. I, I feel like in men's golf, I feel like it's like it's, – I feel it's like baseball. Um, you know, Cal State Fullerton's great at baseball. Uh, yeah. You know, Wichita State. Um, Sam Houston's great at baseball. I feel like there's respect there. I've never once felt like – you know, you're, you're down here and we're up here. I, I mean, you know, now expectation wise may be different, but yeah. Uh, because, you know, we, 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 you know, there's teams that are there every year and we got to be one of those teams and, and, and hopefully maybe we're, we're starting, we're, we're really starting that. But um, no, I, 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 I'm like you, I, I always tell my guys, if we're, if we're in a contention and there's someone, you know, we always say, listen, you better expect that team to play their best day that day. Like that's, you know, don't, just because they're whatever they're ranked, expect them to play their best. So, 
but no, we've been coaches around the country, teams. They, we, I felt like we've been very respected. So. Well, I agree. I've always respected you and what you do, but there's something else you've done that I want to talk about today, and that's the chip on your shoulder. But before we get to that, um, you, this team was built well before you you played those good tournaments at the end. I mean, it was sure. way back when. And I remember watching William Holcomb play junior golf thinking, well, he won the U.S. junior qualifying with a, a boot on his foot. He couldn't even – he had like a broken ankle or something and went out and won that. So I thought, man, I missed on that kid because he's a tough <laughs> dude. And then he yeah. almost won the U.S. amateur a few years later. Um, your, your team has steadily grown in the, in, the, uh, in the rankings. You've gotten better and better and better. But I'm not sure anybody could have expected – what happened this spring. Sure. So, uh, but anyway, congratulations on building a program that he'd even get to that stage. And sure. then now let's just talk about, uh, I guess, start from about maybe conference on. Yeah. So conference. Um, yeah. If I can, I'm going to start a little bit earlier, if you don't okay. mind. Uh, do. You know, cause with just with COVID, I felt like this fall, we didn't play any events this fall. I felt like we did a good job of, creating an atmosphere of expectation in the sense, okay, listen, um, and we worked out four days a week. We had our own little tournaments. We kind of said, all right, this is what we're going to do. And I felt like we were the same guy every day. Um, but yeah. And, and, and so I felt like as we led up to conference, that's, we, we were doing a good job of that. Um, you know, I, I would say at conference, we had a good win. Um, obviously a good win and rolling into regionals. Um, you know, I was like, okay, this is the year I feel like we've, you know, cause we, we had made regionals like four of the last six years, but we, we got close at Auburn in 2014. Other than that, we weren't close. I was just trying to find that, you know, what is it? And, um, I felt like this, this is a good, this is a good team that can do it. And I felt like we were all on the same page and, uh, we were playing good. We were playing, um, and it's funny you mentioned Mike Small. I'm just say something real quick. I tried to be, and I, I want the listeners to know this. I think I try to be like, and I mean this, Mike, because I've drove, I've driven up to, to your office just to spend time with you. Okay. Uh, one thing is I feel like I try to do well the way maybe what strength I may have. I got a lot, a lot of weaknesses, but a strength I do have maybe is that when I see someone do it better than me, I want to know what they're doing. I want to talk to them. So I've, I've driven up to Waco and spent time with you. I've spent a lot. I've spent time with Mike small. I think he's, I mean, I think he's, I try to be like the two mics. If I can blend Mike McGraw and Mike Small, that's the kind of composite. And I'm not trying to, I'm just, you know, I'm not trying to toot your horn. I'm just saying I'm being honest. I think sure. I think your experience, your compassion, your big picture, and your golf knowledge married together is is I think you're kind of the John Wooden of our profession. I think Mike Small is, I just think he has the greatest, probably the greatest golfing mind in our profession. And competitiveness and just standards he's got great standards that they hold to every day that was a turning point for us this year mike beat us we played with him at lafayette i have to go back sorry i gotta mention this we're in the last group of them at lafayette and we we're 15 back we're five or six seven under they're 15 or 20 under what it doesn't matter and they shoot they beat us by 40 they end up shooting 25 under we watched them and I talked to Mike early in the week. I said, Mike, they'd won LSU. It's like, how did y'all win LSU? I mean, how'd you do that? You came out of the cold. That was a national championship field. How do you do that? And he just goes, Brent, we just played to our standards every day. And that just resonated with mm. me. So mm. I, got, I got back home from Lafayette and I said, listen, guys, we just got beat by 40. Okay. 
we don't need to pat ourselves on the back that we finished fourth. We don't need to pat ourselves on the back that we finished under par. Okay. We got beat by whatever it is, 30. We we need to be, we need to be not okay with getting beat by 30. I don't care who it is. And I said that in a good way. I said, listen, those guys, we talk about our standards every day. They live it. And I'm just pointing at Illinois. I go, they live it every day. And that's where we're getting beat. So I said, I don't care if we're playing nine holes at Elkins. I don't care if we're playing where we're playing. We're going to play the same way every day and keep each other accountable. That was a big turning point for us as we're going to regionals. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of our mindset going to regionals. So I'll let you kind of go where you want with that. Right. But. Well, well, the thing that most occurred to me right there is you talked about two coaches you look up to, that you've talked to, that you've learned from. I think our profession's amazing because there's Mike Small. He has nothing to gain nothing to gain by telling you that other than he's got a new fan other than he's got a new brother in the in the yeah. uh, coaching brotherhood I mean it's like our profession's awesome that way our guys really try to help each other and yeah. um so anyway I, re- I remember our times when you come up and and we sat down it's that's I want people to do that because I'm going to learn too yeah this, this podcast isn't about me telling everybody what I know it's about hopefully each guest comes on and gives me a couple of nuggets of wisdom I'm going wow I'm glad I heard that well what you what Mike just said that's true for every coach if you're not living by your standards and every single day you're going to die by them eventually right that's right so really really well done well you and I both show up with teams there at Karsten Creek and honestly I've seen Carson Creek play a lot harder than it did that week it's it was still a challenge but it it was not as hard as I, I had seen it but our team, I'll just get that behind us real quick. We had a very disappointing finish and finished a sure. shot out of qualifying for nationals. And I still believe that's where all the learning in life takes place is in disappointment and failure. And so I know that my guys learned some things and some of my guys that graduated are taking it with them to pro golf. But there's so much learning that takes place in there. But we get to talk about an exciting, wonderful experience for you. And that is, wow, you got a guy, your best player who's, in the hunt to win the championship after two rounds gets COVID positive. So yeah. talk, talk about that. I, yeah, actually we, uh, his roommate was COVID positive. Right, right. He I'm was con- Contact yeah. tracing. Yeah. So, so thankfully he never got COVID. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, I'll just tell you just kind of how it happened real quick. Uh, you know, we had that 36 whole day and you're right. It was, the wind laid down, the course was soft. If there was, I've only, that was the first time I've been to Carson Creek, Mike. So, we got the very we got the very fortunate uh we didn't see with all its teeth that probably that probably helped us quite a bit to be honest with you so anyway as you know 18 holes is a is is a big test but 36 holes on that golf course is uh wow i mean that's 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 that was a long day long grind and uh anyway i'll just kind of give you a quick brief story that day we played 36 holes we're one shot out of fifth you know, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State, and Illinois, and, and SMU have separated themselves. It's going to be a battle for with you guys. It's going to be a battle with Northwestern, and, and I can't remember who's behind us. But anyway, we have testing that night at seven thirty. So we go right from the golf course to the hotel. My uh, sports medicine guy goes and gets our dinner. We all get tested, and our sixth player has to stay behind for like twenty minutes. They had an inconclusive test, so we all went to our room. Uh, I tried to eat and he calls me about 30 minutes later. He goes, coach, you need to come down here. I was like, Oh, great. This can't be good. So anyway, long story short, he takes a couple more tests and he pops positive. 
Well, then we are, then the story is with Will, his roommate who had tested negative. Uh, what do we do with him? So we had to separate them, get them isolated rooms. We were on the phone with the NCAA until about 1130. Can he play? Can he play? Can he play? And then we found out the next morning he couldn't play. So, uh, so yeah, we're, we're, um, me and my sports medicine uh, director had to go to tell into his room and say, Will, you can't play. Uh, I called a quick 830 meeting in the parking lot and uh, told the team, you know, through tears that Will couldn't play. And then, you know, Mike, the hardest thing, it'd be that kind of like, you know, leaving a child. Uh, <laughs> Will was in his window, two stories up, looking down on us in the parking lot. Just, just amazing, powerful, I mean, now hindsight, powerful moment of, him on the phone, not being able to play, him encouraging the guys, telling them what to do, us crying, uh, trying to get the team to deal with that. I didn't want to tell them the night before because I didn't think they would sleep. And um, That's good coaching right there, by the way. Seriously, <laughs> that was good. And just, you know, we teed off at 1030s. You know, I figured two hours we could, we could deal with it. And then, honestly, after that, you know, we had the meeting in the parking lot. We had breakfast, went back in the parking lot, and we're leaving, and Will's still in the window. And I was like, man, you got to stop this, Will. I'm just, I'm, you know, I got tears in my eyes. I'm driving to the course. But I don't know. Something special happened, Mike. You're talking about our profession. Uh, we, we've got the greatest profession in the world. I had, you know, so many, like yourself, so many coaches come up to you say, man, I'm so sorry. I'm pulling for you today. Teams were playing against. They're saying, well, I'm pulling for you. Now, you know, they're obviously pulling for their team, but. There's just something something magical there. And I just felt, I don't know, I just felt like, okay, we did nothing wrong here. We just go do our best. And, you know, I, I just had a good feeling about it. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know where they like to say that, but it's just like, I just, you know, it's going to be okay. So it's kind of what would happen. I think your faith probably led you to believe it's going to be okay anyway. I, I prepared these kids for this, for these moments. And this is one of those moments. And they, hopefully they're as ready as I think they are. And yeah. You guys ended up yeah. playing beautifully, really, really well that day. Thank you. I told, I remember telling them that that in the parking lot, I said, listen, the SEALs talk about you always sink down to your level of training, right? So when the pressure's on, when the bullets are flying, like I always want to know what are they thinking when bullets are flying? What's their mind telling them? And they, they always say you sink down to your level of training. So I feel like that's the most pressure we felt in the sense of, hey, we got to get it done. But I felt like we practice that every day, you know, it's the same thing every day. And it's just, you know, now, now is, was the ultimate test, but uh, last thing I'll say on that, we were on our ninth hole that, that last round and, and I'm 18, it's eight, it's 18, the par five at, at Carson Creek. And Will texts me, he goes, coach, just calm down. It, it's going to be okay. And I'm thinking this kid has had his life, you know, his feet knocked out from under him and he's okay with this. Then I go, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be just fine. That was a huge moment for me just to, kind of relax and, and and take the tension out of it. But, you know, I will say this. I, I do want to mention this because I learned this from Tony Bennett and if there's coaches out there, uh, like you said, I would encourage uh, like, like Tony Bennett, maybe you're familiar with this, but he has, he has these pillars he has for his program. And right. I saw him when my two boys play basketball. They love basketball. So I'm in the basketball world and I watched him win the national championship and so I'm YouTube and stuff on him. He's just, he's just different. I love the way he talks, love the way he coaches, but he has a pillar system that's, that's, that's based on truths, eternal truths. And I was like, gosh, I, I know we all coach a certain way, 
And I was like, I'm going to put together my pillars. So anyway, not my pillars, but the things that I think are important to a, a team and uh, kind of making them my own. So anyway, but we, the last two years, we, we got these in our facility, but these have been huge for us. Our pillars are humility, hard work, wisdom, discipline, and team. And, and I say that to say this, that that was huge for us that last round, just living there's promises and humility and hard work and wisdom and wisdom and everything and, and, and discipline. Gosh, you and I know you're, you're, you're the king of discipline. Discipline is so huge in the game of golf in your life. And then, then the team aspect is hard to do in, in the individual individual game, but I feel like our team aspect really came out uh, that day. So anyway, those, that was huge for us getting through that day. Well, and congratulations again on that. And I know there was a great amount of celebration, but, Let's get to a coaching point here, too. I mean, obviously, you wanted the guys to celebrate an amazing accomplishment for the first time in program history to get to the national championship. Right. But as a coach, you also you have to shift gears because you've got to get them in the right mindset to go play at Greyhawk. So That's right. pivot there, if you will, and talk about what you did and what you said to get them to Greyhawk. That's exactly. And you're exactly right. I, I, again, when you have great players, they also make you great coaches. Here, I mean, here's what I mean by that. We at at conference, uh, the first round, we were 15 shots down through 15 holes after the first round, and we ended up we ended up being maybe eight or ten shots to Lamar after the first round. And in our team meeting that night, uh, Will goes, "Listen, guys, Will Holcomb. He goes, we don't need to change a thing. Like we just got to keep doing what we're doing." And we don't need to change a thing. And that was huge to hear him say that because he was right. So I, all that to say, that was kind of our mantra the rest of the season. It's like, keep doing what we're doing. We don't need to change a thing. It'll come to us. That happened at regionals. So we just kept saying that at nationals. Okay. Same. Let's get our game plan on the course. We know our lines. We know which pins to go at collectively. Let's don't change a thing. Make sure everyone's small target, good routine. And, and it'll come to us. So we just kind of kept that mantra and, you know, we, it, 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 it obviously kept us right in there at the nationals and, and almost making match play. So that was kind of the simplicity of that. Did you have Will on as on staff as an assistant coach? I'm telling like, you, man, he, that, he knows guy's what made, say. that guy's made me so much better. I cannot tell you. He, he's, it's amazing how you have players that challenge you and keep you accountable. Yeah. And I watched from afar, watched him develop his game and watched him develop into a national type player. But the one thing I know for sure is every player, when they come in as a freshman and before they even get on campus, you tell them, what, what would you like your legacy to be? Right. What is your legacy going to be in this program? Well, I got to tell you, Will, to me, is the consummate Bearcat. He's the guy, and he always yeah. will be in my eyes. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Yeah, that's great. Well, okay, so you get to the national tournament. You guys actually played beautifully there as well. Going into that – and that last day of stroke play, I mean, you guys had a chance to make match play. Yeah, yeah we did. We did. We, we, we had a good first round. We had three guys shoot under par, which is good. That that separated us a little bit because that golf course, you, 10 over was a good round out there. If you had an afternoon round, and I think we shot two under. So we had some good separation there. But, um, yeah, I think it was just more of the same. And, you know, the last round, uh, you know, we, we, we gave a few shots, as everyone did. But, yeah, we were right there. And, um you know, I think it was good for us to prove that, you know, we have the stuff inside to, to, to play at the highest level. And I think we're doing things as a program day in and day out to, to play at the highest level, more importantly, believe at the highest level. And, and, you know, if I can encourage 
anybody. I just, you know, Mike, you know, this good golf is like you said, good golf is good mental routine and ball control and pin discipline. And I think it doesn't matter what school you are. If you do those things and you want to win and, and, and you want to be great, I think, you, I think you can, you can play at the highest level. I think you are right. You're correct about that. And I've got an old saying that says um, good golf travels. So good golf works in at Karsten Creek. It works at Greyhawk. It works at the two level. It works at a mid-major. It works at It's just good golf works, and you know what it takes to play good golf. Right. That's exactly yeah. – and I, I think if you get the kids believing that, I think our biggest thing is probably the same thing that you did at Baylor was – you know, what, three or four years later, y'all are playing for national championship in match play. That was huge when y'all, I think y'all made match play at, uh, what was 17? Rich, Rich, Rich Harvest Farms. And I'm watching y'all, I'm like, okay, that started when he got there, right? I'm sure from day one, if we're going to get up in the morning here at Baylor, we're going to try to win a national championship. And I can be honest, I can humbly say this, at Sam Houston, we talk about national championship. There's no other reason to do this we just might as well do something else. There's no other reason to do this if we're not trying to win a national championship. I mean, we don't need to shoot for regionals. We don't need to shoot for winning a couple of tournaments. We need to shoot to try to win a national championship. And what does that look like? How do you do that every day? Okay. Uh, you know, we talk about shooting under par every day. I, I, I basically told the guys this, Mike, I said, listen, guys, national championship is not that far. And they said, what if we have five guys that can just shoot under par every day? What's wrong with that? Right. One under par. Mm -hmm. think about that if you have five guys on command are good at shooting under par you're at least going to be right there right so you kind of make this big high goal then you see the attainability of it okay how do i shoot under par well be mentally locked in have great targets good pin discipline work on your ball control you got to be mentally tough so those are the things we talk about every day and give them that belief i think you i think at baylor you gave them that belief hey we can do this and next thing you know, you're, you know, you're playing for a national championship two or three years later. So I did this. I mean, just trying to do the same thing at Sam Houston. Yeah. No one expects us to do it, but I believe, I believe we can do it. And I think we do one more point I want to make, Grant, you guys do have a chip on your shoulder. Yes. Now, some coaches and or players who have a chip on their shoulder, it, it comes across in a very kind of dark negative way. <laughs> No, it does. It really does. And I don't think it has to. I think you can be great competitors with a chip on your shoulder and everybody's going to, they can, you can be well-respected and you haven't really, it's not like you've been this offensive Tasmanian yeah. devil just tearing through college golf. You're just getting better and you believe that you're getting better, yeah. but talk about how you coach a chip on the shoulder. Uh, I want that before we finish. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm glad you see that. I just, I just want to win. I don't know how to say it. I mean, very competitive. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think there's any, you don't do this to not, it's kind of like a basketball game or a baseball game. You just don't go out there and play and throw the ball around and have some fun. I think the team's trying to win. Right. So uh, they winning score, don't they, Brent? Don't they keep score? They keep score. Yeah, exactly. So it must matter. It must matter, but obviously it's not what defines you, but I think what defines you is, doing your best right and if you want to excel that's one of our pillars too is is um it says it's proverbs you find uh he who excels this work will stand before kings so i'll tell the team say listen you're you're given this gift okay it's a craft do the best you can like if you go if you're the best at this game you play on a Ryder cup you go to the 
Oval Office, right? You're before, you know, we, our president's not a king, but you're before a, a, an audience with your with your craft. So I tell the guys, we're meant to excel. So, you know, the chip is we want to be the best. We want to try to win. And if we don't win, hey, we did our best. That's fine. But the goal is, again, there's no reason to get up. You know, if you're not trying to win the win the game, and it's hard to do, it's very hard to do. When you get beat by Baylor, you go shake their hand and say, "Great job!" And you know, y'all were better today, but we gave it our all. We don't like beating you, and we're, you know, I, I think to your point, I tell the guys this. Okay, I'll end with this. We need to look our competitor in the eye and say this. And this is just good old fashioned. I mean, we I love to compete. Like I love to compete. Like I love playing nine holes with my guys and. Haven't played two months to say, I'm still going to try to beat you, right? But I try to tell my team this, listen, we need to look a competitor in the eye and say, listen, all right, I know you're really good, but, you know, I can, I can, I can ball control it too. I can be disciplined and you may beat me, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to compete as hard as I can. And, you know, I, I think that's what we try to do is just whoever we face, not be scared, but respect them and just try to compete with them. So, well, you have done an amazing job of that. It's not gone unnoticed in college golf world. Finally, uh, you know, you got some attention because of what you did at regionals and then nationals. So, but it happened way before those moments. So I know that I've watched that. I'm really proud for you as a coach, proud to be your friend, thankful that you are an example for other coaches in our industry that you can be competitive and still be respectful. You can be a fiery competitor and still treat people the right way. So keep that up, Brant. Don't Thank lose that. And uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised we see you at the national championship again very soon. Well, Mike, thank you very much. And I appreciate uh, I, I sent you a text the other day. You sent a nice note. And I said, you know, it's a little bit your fault. <laughs> you've got, <laughs> you've, uh, you, you've, no, you've really taken me under your wing and you didn't have to. And, and I was just, just this little old coach that just wanted to learn more and, and you, I, again, you did not have to take you didn't have to write a book. To, you know, your book helped me. And it's like, I need to spend some time with this guy. And you kind of you kind of put me under your wing a little bit. And, and uh, well, you know, I appreciate I, if I could first of all say thank you for that. But I did have to. I, I, I'm still competitive. I mean, I'm 61, but I'm in, still in a very competitive stage. I think we can be great at Baylor. There's no doubt in my mind. And there's no reason to stop being great. And I think I'll be the best I've ever been the last day I coach whenever that is, I'll be the best I've ever been. So, but I want to pass that on to other coaches and, and other coaches my age, other coaches your age, and I'm hoping you're going to pass it to young coaches you know, that, that reach out to you. So yeah, I did have to do that. It's part of what we coaches need to do. And I know you give to the game too. So um, thank you for spending time with me on this podcast today. You brought a bunch of truth and it was awesome. And um, I just look forward to seeing you out on the road again this summer. Well, thanks again. It's an honor, and and uh, I, I'm like I said, I'm humbled that you want to hear our story and about our program. But uh, again, thank you for just being really just being our example, and 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 just kind of we're standing on a lot of shoulders, and you're one of them. So I appreciate it, buddy. I appreciate it. Have a great summer, Brent. Thanks. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah.